As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us today at the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. And we have the CEO of Jancoa Janitorial Services, Mary Miller, with us today. She's also an associate coach with Strategic Coach on the board of United Way of Greater Cincinnati and also serves on the board of the Southwestern Ohio Regional Transit Authority and is a dear friend, has been a great mentor, her and her husband to me and my journey here at Centennial becoming president and taking over our family business. Mary, welcome to the studio. Thank you so much, Mike. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited today to dive into your latest book, Changing Directions, 10 Choices That Impact Your Dreams. And I certainly feel as a reader of the book now twice through and having you hearing you speak on the topic that our listeners will take away some tangible, real-time activity that they can be thinking about and putting into action into their life and to their business and into their relationships. Well, that was the 100% intention of writing the book. So (laughs) I appreciate the opportunity to put that out there. That's wonderful. So we're going to cover a few of the topics today, Mary, around both what led you to achieve the, you go after these particular 10 chapters, because all of them have been from experience. Yes. But really focus in on a few as well. So can you share a little bit around the inspiration that led you to tell your story in this manner for uh, our listeners? Well, honestly, I do speak a lot around the world, and I had a publisher approach me and say, your story needs to be in a book. People need to have access to this information and to be able to learn from your experience. And so it was something that had already been planted in my brain, kind of thinking about that possibility, but having an invitation like that definitely pushed me over the line. Mm. And literally almost pushed me off the wall. <laughs> That's great. It was a passion project for me. And it took a few years to get it right because I was very intentional to not make it about me and my story, but to allow my story to be part of a process to help others be inspired and to look at their experience and what they can learn from their own just through the questions that I have throughout the book mm-hmm. so that they can be who they're made to be, the best version of themselves. That's wonderful. And you start out the book focusing on embracing change. Absolutely. And acknowledging it, the change does exist, and letting that be a positive catalyst in your life. Can you dialogue about why you kicked it off? You know, and that's, I've had a lot of questions on that, Mike. And one, because a lot of people thought I should adjust with the dream manager background since we created that program. Everybody I've talked to said, you really should have started about knowing your dreams and what your dreams, why would you start with that? And my belief is that there's no dream that you can pursue or achieve if you don't embrace change first. Because if you keep doing things the same way, you know, that definition of insanity, keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. The only way you're going to change the results that you're getting in life is to embrace change first. It's the number one step. And we go into, from there, you discuss establishing your dreams, which embracing the fact that if you're going to go after your dreams, there's something that's going to have to be changed. 
Absolutely. Right? And the way you're operating, the way you're thinking or how you're pursuing life. Absolutely. And then going into understanding your dreams and dialogue. Is there a couple of key areas that you might focus on in terms of establishing dreams? Where do people start with that? You know, sometimes we're so busy in our day-to-day, we forget about dreaming a little bit and being a kid again. Oh, we totally unlearn what we knew as a child and all that excitement and vision of what would be possible when we grow up. And I still can remember laying on the hillside as a kid up at the clouds and thinking about what they were and what my life will be like and those type of things. And I really chose, I think words are really powerful, what words we choose to use and the way we talk and how we think. And establish is important because it's more than just what do you want? Because that's such a surface question. And it takes a little bit more excavation to get down to the soul of what you want. Because most people, if you ask yourself that or journal, you'll start with just the easy things, the easy pickings. Oh, I, I want a new house. I want a new car. I want a new job. But there's more important things to that. You want to establish what is it you want, but why is that important to you? How will that improve or change the quality of life that you have in your trajectory of where you're going next? Mm-hmm. And organizations who have team members helping establish the team members' individual meaningful work and aligning personal goals and their desires and showing them they can achieve that by being a part of your team Absolutely. is a key part of engagement, retention, and attraction. One of the first things we do at orientation for new hires at JNCOA is to have every employee fill out a little form as, what is your dreams? What is it you want to achieve? And it's been a powerful impact when they have those conversations because it'll be the same thing as many people. They'll come up with, oh, I want to win the lottery. So you have to have further conversations of what it would be like. And when you have conversations of groups of people, it brings this different energy and people start getting real. And we had a young man once, very tall. He could have played football. He was a big guy. He was one that came up with, I want to win the lottery. But with further conversation about what do you really want? What would make a difference on your life that would make you feel really happy with what you're doing? Mm. And he got very solemn for a minute. He says, I want to learn how to read. I want to be able to read a story to my three-year-old daughter when she goes to bed at night. And it's like, you know, these are the things that we don't think of because everybody's so busy just surviving in life. We don't always take that time to pause and say, what do I really want in my life that would improve the quality of life that I have and make a difference for my family? Yeah, I assume there's people who look at this and say, I haven't been asked exactly to write right. down a dream. Absolutely. And, you know, as children, people ask all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, well, I'm a little bit older than the child today, and I'm still trying to figure that out. But I'm always pursuing different dreams. And my daughter bought me a beautiful card several years back that said, you know, on the way, sometimes on the way to a dream, a better dream comes along. But the ideal of something bigger that we can go to pursue and go after creates this strategic byproducts. And these things happen as we move forward toward that. And sometimes we do change directions about what we want because we start seeing opportunities and possibilities with a different view. Mm -hmm. When you help team members establish, document, help them go after their dreams, do you also find people that ultimately exit the organization because their dream leads them someplace else? Absolutely. And that was one of the scariest things when we started the Dream Manager is what, okay, well, 
this means people will leave because a lot of times the dream is another job. But I heard a podcast a few years back, Ron Kitchens, and one of the things that he was talking about the dream manager, he said, well, isn't the ideal for all businesses to have people who really want to work there be there? Because we all know as a business what happens when we have employees in our ranks that don't want to be there. That energy, it's that old, you know, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch, right? I think Michael Jackson's saying about it, but it really makes a difference. If somebody doesn't want to be there, it can become a toxic energy that bleeds off onto everybody else. So when you have people, what we have found at Jancoa, when you have people that are working towards something they want in their life to improve their quality of life, it attracts other people with that same like-mindedness. And it's evolved, the dream managers evolved from a program to help people go after their dreams to creating an environment and a culture of caring. And that's really our focus is having that caring, having people really care about each other and what they can do to help make their life better. Because if people are just accepting status quo and this is my life and it's never going to get any better, there's never any energy or confidence included in that. And it's, it doesn't add any benefit to anybody else's life. In episode 15 of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, we discussed with Chris Painter on becoming CEO the impact and importance of white space for leaders, but I think transferring that to any human being. And is that also a, you know, a part of this component of having white space, creating time to free your mind up to say, what am I really trying? What am I really being driven for? What do I ultimately want to achieve? Absolutely, Mike. Being part of the Strategic Coach Program, one of the number one concepts we talk about is an entrepreneurial time system where free days are number one, most important. Mm. But the free days where you have 24-hour periods with no work-related activities at all, no checking emails, no business reading, no checking the office to make sure everything's okay, that you just shut that off and rejuvenate and have a life outside of work, spending time with family, with friends, in the community, creating hobbies. Too often we get so busy that we don't even realize that we don't have a life. And that's really important. And it's most important, we have to live examples as the leaders of the company, whether it's a CEO, anybody in the C-suite, to middle managers, to the people working the front line. So we do have programs to encourage free days and family time. And since we have a lot of people that are from other countries, it's important they like to go home and be able to spend time with their family for a while. So we really do work on trying to create that margin and the freedom to be able to enjoy their life and not just make it all about work. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And the uh, topic of eliminating obstacles and how do you, through the writing here and through your individual coaching and your experience, you know, we can all put these barriers up that become obstacles for us to, you know, I'll never be able to achieve that because... Absolutely. Or I have personal limitations, and therefore this won't be able to happen. How do you get people to switch that mindset, or where do you encourage people to start? You know, the the brain, and I've heard this for years, but I believe it more every day. The brain is the dumbest muscle of the whole body. It only believes what you tell it. But it has some amazing abilities. The number one ability each of our brain has is the ability to vision. 
we started visualizing what life was possible and what we can do early ages as a child. You know, I still remember in kindergarten thinking about what my life would be like when I became a big kid, so to speak, and I'm still just a big kid, right? So obstacles are one of those things that comes next. When you visualize what's possible and it gets stronger as we get older, the obstacles appear. And then we have people in our life who think they're going to try to protect us and prevent us from feeling pain that tell us, oh, no, you can't do that and add to the list of obstacles of why we can't achieve the vision very quickly. So that typically will put up a brick wall, and sometimes it's still reinforced. It's so strong that prevents us from moving forward. But our brain also has the ability to transform to be able to figure ways and strategies to go over the wall, under the wall, or around the wall. We don't have to allow that wall of obstacles prevent us from being what we're made to be. And part of the adventure in life and the journey is to figure out ways through that obstacle. That's totally how the dream manager came about. We were at a point of desperation. We had turnover that was industry average, 400% a year. We had hired a consultant to help us grow our business, to make it something really great. I had great vision of what was possible with our business. And the consultant fired us on the second day of a five-day contract. And I knew that was a huge obstacle. We had to figure out what to do different. And it was up to us just to keep moving forward. What and was, failure was not an option. <laughs> what was the turning point in only a 48-hour period of time for your consultant to come back to you and say, I can't help you? We wrote a big check for him to come in for five days in the first night that Tony, who's my husband and runs the operations at the time, and Bob, the plan was they were going to go out on Monday evening, survey some of the buildings we do, and put together a plan that then would be instituted the rest of the week. Well, what I found out on Tuesday when I met back with Bob and Tony is they both spent the whole night before vacuuming a building because we didn't have enough cleaners to take care of it. Mm. And he said that he was probably the most expensive vacuumer we've ever had. (laughs) And hopefully that ever would be. (laughs) So, yeah, that was that aha moment. And I really wish I could tell you and everybody else that I'm like Oprah Winfrey. We realize, you know, think about, I just woke up one morning with this great idea. Let me go help people make to their dreams come true. But it was a huge obstacle. Mm -hmm. I had a vision. I had a huge obstacle that came in the way. And I was determined to transform that into possibility. So the having had the experience to know you and Tony well, part of this challenge was the turnover that happens just in the end, you know, it's quote unquote industry norm for people to move for a quarter extra or 50 cents extra or a dollar extra. And I believe the listeners who are employers have that, can feel that same experience, right? Oh my goodness. Today it's worse than ever for everybody. We started this program in the nineties because the unemployment was so low. And today the unemployment's even lower than it was in the nineties and companies are doing well. The economy's doing well. Everybody needs people. We need more people to be able to make things happen. And it's really important that we, and that's why I was saying before about the dream manager evolving into a culture of caring, that becomes a magnet to attract people to want to work for us. We've had people leave and they've come back. They said at the promise of making more money for somebody else, but they didn't like the way they were treated. They didn't like the negative culture and they didn't like the fact that there was no more possibility. Yeah. The importance of this topic 
for, and you and I have had great discussions around this and for our listener to really understand that your greatest obstacle happened to be this thing called turnover and employee retention. Exactly. That ultimately birthed and you hired a high-end consultant to come into town, to come into your business and tell you the things that needed to change and that you could tweak and make adjustment. And ultimately it had to have been an embarrassing experience to have that same consultant say, Demoralizing is the word I use. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely sucked all the energy out for a while. And I felt sorry for myself for a few hours. But when you have a business and all these people that depend on you and customers depend on you, you don't have the luxury to feel sorry for yourself and fall into the depths of despair. We have to keep moving forward and focusing, okay, what do I need to do to move through this obstacle? But in hindsight, when I look at that experience and so many other experiences in my life, it's having that realization that the obstacles, if those hadn't happened and it hadn't hit, they didn't hit the pause button. I hit that stop button full speed, you right. know, okay, I got to stop what I'm doing. Embrace change to look at possibilities. And every great thing in my life today was because there was an obstacle that happened first. Yeah. And working through that is what got me where I am yeah. today. Yeah. And I would add, Mary, the importance of the bold leader who was that consultant to say, right? Because he basically helped change the trajectory of the organization oh, he did. by I, putting a stop button on it. And as you know, I, I do a lot of public speaking yeah. around the world. And I did a conference in New York City where I realized in the middle of my speech, you know, I should send him a thank you note. So I did. And he responded back. He said, I've often wondered what happened to you guys. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I love, and this is the part of the joy of having you in my life, that your focus went to people. Absolutely. And we need to change the way we care and love our people and help them find meaningful work and let that be the talent magnet that pulls people to our organization. So if you have retention problems or talent attraction problems, it might be the way that your culture, what can you do inside your culture to create transformation so that people become your greatest ambassadors. Absolutely agree. It's imperative because it really is about the people really is our product, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't matter if you're a service industry like ours or if you're making widgets. You can't make the best widgets without having great people as part of the team to make those things happen. Mm -hmm. So that's the part that really did make a difference. And we had to learn that one the hard way, too. We were just like so many other companies. And we were in our own survival mode trying to make our business successful. And we didn't realize that we were looking at our team members as things, components that we needed to make the business work. Like we need vacuums to vacuum while we need people to move the vacuum. We weren't recognizing the humanity behind each individual until we had that opportunity to see it when we first start shuttling people and getting them to work. And when we start hearing them talking and seeing where they lived and seeing their obstacles that we're dealing with, it broke our hearts. It broke us down. And we really started asking questions differently. And another opportunity to embrace change and to realize that when we embrace the humanity of others, they help us achieve our dreams. We help them achieve their dreams. The customers are happy and they love working with businesses that have a culture of caring and not just about the bottom line, that it makes a huge difference. And we've had 
amazing growth that is beyond my wildest dreams because of the uh, the magnet, truly, that that's created. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, we do have to recalibrate that magnet mm-hmm. to make sure we're attracting the right people and the right customers. Yeah, that's wonderful. The importance of relationships. So we have talked about, and I know your encouragement to me, you and Tony, the encouragement to me as I was, we were going through our family business succession around just continue to establish the right team, have the right people around you, both inside and outside. And you wrote a whole section on this in your book of changing directions of meaningful relationships. Absolutely. Can you dive into that a little bit, knowing that, you know, individuals are busy, And work consumes and they're trying to balance everything between work and life. As we talk about with the Talent Magnet Institute, helping leaders succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership, bringing the relationships back is a big focus. You know, when all the coaching I've done and the speaking I've done over the years, almost 20 years, I have never had a single person tell bring a story to me that somebody on their deathbed said, I wish I worked harder. I wish I had more success. I wish I had more money. It's always, I wish I spent more time with my family. I wish I had some real friends and took care of myself better and those type of stories at deathbed things. And that's the important thing. Let's stop waiting to our deathbed to look back. Let's create the relationships that we can support them. They can support us. And I have a good friend, Jason Gagnard, who says, we are drowning in connections, but we're starving for community. Mm. And I just think that that is just so well said with social media and all these things. And I network a lot. I meet a lot of people. But it's so important to see beyond just the handshake and what can you do for me and create a connection and a relationship where we help support and encourage each other and make good things happen for each other. And that's when life becomes enjoyable. Because I had many years where life was not enjoyable, Mike. (laughs) And I tell people, I got to tell you, I tell people all the time, if I'm dreaming right now, don't pinch me. (laughs) I don't want to wake up. I am enjoying life today, and I enjoy getting other people excited about their life. Yeah. And you know from being in executive roundtables, as do I, and leading them. So we lead president and CEO symposiums, getting executives together. And it's amazing how quickly those conversations get personal because it's a safe place to get personal. And most your executives are in isolation. And if you feel yourself in isolation, this is the topic to go after and really figure out how to stop that emotional feeling that will negatively impact everything else in your leadership and your organization. You know, we are not, we are not made to be by ourselves. We're made to be part of a community Mm -hmm. and we are really needing to be able to figure out what that looks like for us and how do we get involved in one and sitting on the couch and watching TV And eating potato chips is not going to help you figure that out. We have to move out of that comfort zone and get really uncomfortable and allow ourselves to be vulnerable and to have real conversations. And it's actually as difficult as that sounds, becomes easier and life becomes more fun. And that's really, I think, the vision that most people have for that quality of life. Absolutely. When we move into the topic of not underestimating the power of desire and faith. Mary, what does that mean for you? My faith is really important to me. And it's to have a dream about what's possible in my life. 
I love the combination and the definition of faith of believing and having the hope of what is possible without any proof that it could really happen. And my faith, and I believe in the higher power, and I believe that there's a God in our lives that have made us to be designed. And there's, I have great respect for all the different types of faiths, but as human beings, we need to have faith that it's more than just what we see on this earth mm-hmm. and that there's more possible out there. Mm-hmm. And I believe the coincidences that happen every day in life is the way to see that we are in the right path. We are in the right direction and we're not alone and to make those things happen. And the desire is just a deeper way of describing having a dream, mm-hmm. that it's a desire that's something part of your soul. Mm-hmm. So when we have something we really want that's just part of us that we're going after, it's imperative that we have the faith to know that we can make those things happen. But at the same time, to be aware that something better might come along. That ideal of what we want, it's like the horizon. It's always out there. You can never achieve the ideal, but the ideal gives us the excitement and the energy to go after what we want. We can set goals to go after it and then move in the direction of the way the current takes us to achieve the great things we want in our life. Yeah. There's a, I was having a conversation with an executive yesterday, and I was sharing with him specifically on the faith component that there was a book that I was reading by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Leader. And there was a section in this book that hit me at a moment that I was doing too much. Mm -hmm. I was striving to do too much myself. And the section talks about that God doesn't need you to achieve his plan. Nice. Although he would love to have you on the journey. Right. Right. And you can release yourself from trying to do everything and beating yourself up because you can't be everywhere and feeling like the world sits on your shoulders. The world doesn't sit on your shoulders. No, we don't have that much control. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And that's an aspect of where faith can bring you back to reality. Absolutely. Of, you know, again, if we feel like, like today you're listening to this and feeling like I'm just trying to do so much and I don't have the right support and I don't, and how am I ever going to achieve? And again, putting the faith off of yourself into a higher power and having the faith and believe in yourself that oh, you can absolutely. do this. For many years, I was in that survival mode or desperation mode and working as hard as I can to make things happen and feeling that loneliness and the faith helped me continue on. Mm. Now, today I'm a different spectrum on it. I'm enjoying, I'm doing things I love more than ever, getting to spend way more time because I've been able to build a great team and have a great company that really is along that self-managing company perspective. And I've caught myself and friends have brought it to my attention that I'm almost going at a too fast of a pace again, like I was when I was in survival mode, because I'm having so much fun. So whether you're having fun or you're in that mode of feeling almost desperate that you want to try to achieve things and you can't stop because it's up to me to make things happen. Mm -hmm. When you build a team, that's great. They can make things happen, but then we see other possibilities The bottom line is we always have to take time to hit that pause, to give that white space, to be able to reflect over what is working. Whether you look at what worked yesterday, the past week, the past quarter, the past year, those lessons in life is what's going to give us the energy and confidence to go after what we really want to achieve. 
And that desire and faith is kind of like the lines in the road that keep us on track, that will keep us moving rather than hitting another brick wall. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a quote in in the book that I really held on to, and it aligns to a comment we make a lot about corporate culture, that corporate culture shows up when the CEO leaves the room. True. You know, culture shows up when you exit as the executive and how people interact and the interactions they have amongst one another. But you have a quote that can feed into that kind of the opposite effect that who you are when nobody's looking is the legacy you'll leave behind. Exactly. Can you dialogue a little bit about that of being ethical in everything you do and the importance of that to a leader that they're living one life, not too disparate or two very different lives? We are one person with one life, with many different components to our life whether it's our personal life with family and friends, community and faith, or the business life with all the networks and vendors and customers and employees and all the other aspects that we have to incorporate. And it is just amazing how we can really get in our own way and not be able to make those things be what we're supposed to be as we move forward and to be able to trust that we're here for a reason and to be able to make those things happen. And as I got talking, I totally forgot the direction that I was going. <laughs> <laughs> so the in, in the, dy- the dynamic of leaving the legacy oh, behind. Oh, leaving the legacy behind. I'm really so fortunate today. It, Tony and I always thought selling our business was going to be our retirement plan. So we always invested our time and energy and finances into the business to make it valuable. Because when we looked at our business, when we start working together in 93, 94, we looked at it and said, who would want to buy this mess? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to that. So we really start building it to be something of value that somebody might want one day. Well, it turned out, so did people in our family. They start noticing that. So we have four second-generation members that are involved in the business and three family that are involved in the day-to-day that run everything. So I can be here and speak with you. I can travel the world and speak and get people excited. But as the CEO, I'm still about the vision and the excitement and keeping people on track to where we want to be and what's possible and bringing that back. And the legacy as I see it today is more so, more clearly than ever, is getting people excited to be who they're made to be. And that's much more exciting than figuring out who's going to clean the floors and the toilets tonight. Mm -hmm. We have to realize as leaders and as human beings that our task isn't what makes us who we are. Our task at hand in the business we develop, while nice things may be said to us, you know, I recently lost my father to extreme dementia. And so I lost him a while back you know, but he was physically still there. And at the funeral and at the wake and the conversations, Nobody talked about what a great leader he was in work. Nobody talked about what a great businessman he was. People talked about him as a human being and the value that he created and how much he's going to be mourned and lost, you know, because of how much he added to all of our lives. And I think it's really important that that's the core of who we are and the impact we have on other people. We have the opportunity as business leaders to do that for a lot more people than most Mm -hmm. individuals have. And that's a responsibility I take very serious, Mm -hmm. that my actions and the way I speak and the way I do things has a ripple effect. So how am I leading my life to leave a legacy that at the end, 
if I were gone tomorrow and I was watching what people were saying about me, that it was about the impact it had on their lives and how they're better people enjoying their life, that they're more confident and enjoying every day doing what they're made to do in a better way. Mm. So that legacy we leave behind has to be intentional. You know, how is our action today going to lead to a better afterlife and the impact that we have every day on other people that we meet. There's a great Richard Branson quote that says, business has to give people enriching and rewarding lives or it simply isn't worth doing. Totally agree. Which resonates so much to this topic. I was listening to a interview on the 1320 podcast with Daniel Pink, and he was interviewing Tom Peters, who wrote In Search of Excellence and has recently come out with Excellence dividend. Mm -hmm. And he talks all about people first, that it's our moral obligation to put people first. If he said it once, he said it 30 times in that interview, that it is our moral obligation as a person to put people first, whether you run a business or you're in the community. Absolutely. I'm getting chills right now. You talking about that because we had never had that conversation before, right, Mike? And I got to meet Mr. Peters a few (laughs) years back at a conference. He was the keynote speaker and I was one of the sidebar educational speakers at the conference. And so when they was working out the plans, I said, well, I would love to be able to meet Tom Peters. You know, he's an icon. So I got to shake his hand. He autographed my book and I'm smiling and walk away. And his handler approached me and said, excuse me, Miss Miller, Mr. Peters would like to know if you have a few minutes to talk. Oh, let me think about that. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it turns out Tom Peters had found a copy of The Dream Manager while traveling very soon after the book came out. He loved it. Just loved it. He's done video blogs on it, and you could find about it all the time. So the first thing he asked me is, how did you come up with this concept? And I said, well, of course, you've heard the old saying, necessity is the mother of all inventions. And he says, yeah, yeah. I said, well, we were in desperation mode. And Tom is very animated, and he throws both hands up in the air. He says, I love it. That's the way life (laughs) works. When we're in enough pain, then we're willing to do something different. Well, you know, I made that my mission. I want to help people to not wait till they're in pain. I want people to have clarity about what are they made to do? Because we're all born with dreams and we're born with the talents and skills to achieve those dreams. And it's so important to realize that adventure in life is bringing those pieces together. And that's when passion comes alive. Can you imagine what this world would be like if people just stop focusing on what's not working, celebrate it every day with gratitude, what went well, and use that energy to build the confidence to go after each and every day to be what they're made to be. And everybody focusing. I almost wish I had a hindsight or could go back in time and hear some of the conversations when the people first came to this country and created the United States of what it is today and the brave people that moved from the East Coast to create the West and all those travels and all those lives that made our nation what it is today that set that boundary. They had no promises of anything that was going to be possible. They had no idea. But they went after what they thought was possible. And that's what I want to do today. I want to get everybody excited with the idea of what might be possible if we do what we're made to do and use our talents and skills to make those things happen. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And when you say that you speak all over the world, I enjoy following your journeys of where (laughs) you and Tony are. What led you to go from being CEO of a janitorial services company 
to all of a sudden getting asked to speak in Dubai or Abu Dhabi or <laughs> at yoga retreats somewhere on, off the shores of the coast. What was that for you? That was taking faith and stepping out in yourself. It totally but- was faith and stepping out. And, you know, sometimes we're invited to do things that allows us to do it. And sometimes we have to make those things happen. To sit back and wait for somebody to say, to see in us what we want other people to see, it just doesn't work. We have to be willing to put ourselves out there and be uncomfortable and to be out and make that happen. It's one of those divine interventions, though, in my life to have these different opportunities. But the first step was embracing change mm-hmm. and saying to myself, I want more than what I have in my life today. You know, that the book talks about the year I turned 30, everybody's had a bad day. The year I turned 30, all the wheels fell off. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through my second divorce, lost two jobs, had bankruptcy before the second divorce, and got an eviction notice on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was nothing that looked bright and shiny that year, but that was another hard stop. I had to really recalibrate and figure out what it was I wanted and stop of doing what other people said I should do, thinking other people had all the answers and the best answers for my life. So to be able to do that and having that pause, that white space and having the right friends in my life that will challenge me and call me out in a loving way. Uh, Mary, are you listening? Are you pausing? Are you hearing what's going on? Mm. You know, are you trying to make things happen too much on your own? Mm. And I am surrounded by so many people that open up doors and have conversations. So the more I try to help others, other people try to help me. Mm. And doors open that I could have never dreamt of. Matthew Kelly's a best-selling author before the dream manager ever came out. How do you put on your dream list to have a best-selling author come to you and say, hey, I want to write a book about what you created? It did happen. You know, that is stuff that we watch in fantasy movies or sitcoms, but it's true. And that only happens if you're moving forward and making things happen in your life and not waiting for somebody else to make it happen for you. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for showing the impact of focusing on people, investing in people, building in, breathing into people, and how that can obviously turn into an incredible journey for those around you and for an organization to achieve its greatest success as well. And I wish you the best on this journey of helping the world be a talent magnet. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for having me here and for helping me help other people see what's possible by sharing that information and sharing different ways for people to look what they're doing. You know, the whole platform of the book, Changing Direction, was if you want to watch every sunrise and you're facing the West, you're going to miss every one. It doesn't take a lot of work, effort, or money just to change direction and look at life in a different manner. Thank you to our listeners today. We encourage you to look in the show notes. We're going to provide a link to Changing Direction, 10 Choices That Impact Your Dreams. I hope you will take the time to acquire the book, to invest in the resource, to help you become the best version of yourself so that you can ultimately help others do the same. Thank you, Mary, for the time today. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I hope everybody dreams big. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. A toxic work culture can be costlier than you can imagine, but hard to identify. Go to talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com slash toxic culture to learn seven signs that there's something you need to fix in your workplace. 
The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.